Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest today is Eddie Hearn. My love for the Hearn family shines through this episode. Like the sun beaming through a church stained glass window. Uh, so as regular listeners know, I've been a I've been a journalist for more than twenty years. I've interviewed many people down the years. I, you know, I, my love for interviewing people also shines through. Why am I telling you this? One of the most remarkable people I've ever interviewed. You know, and I've, I'm, as I say, I'm very blessed. Chatted with the likes of Denzel Washington, Chris Hemsworth, Jack Nicholas, Usain Bolt, many, many, many more. But one of the most impressive people ever, Barry Hearn. When I was a sports reporter. Interviewed him a couple of times. His charisma, his warmth, his likability uh, is—it's uh, almost tangible. And then, as a sports fan, I see this young scamp, uh, Eddie Hearn, across the years, and talk about a, a chip off the old block. Again, he's got that same charisma, same warmth, same likability. And as, as we discover, and I, and I sort of knew this from reading about him and, and, and watching interviews with him. Arguably, even I mean Barry would clip me around the ear off for saying this. Perhaps even more driven than his dad, because again, as, as we'll come through in this episode, Eddie has this voracious hunger to. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. Outdo what his what his dad achieved. So instead of you know, many people have have had successful parents and they they have literally and metaphorically put their feet up. Eddie's done the opposite. You get the impression. He almost rues the fact that he's been born into a, a rich family because you get the feeling he would, to use a football analogy, he, he would love to have taken a, a club from the, <laughs> this is a metaphor. He'd love to have taken a club from non-league and, and won the Champions League. Um, but he's, I, I admire him so much. We talk about his upcoming book. I will be the first in the queue to get this. Uh, the book is called Relentless, 12 Rounds to Success comes out later in the year. Eddie shares uh, a few tips from the book and we also talk Fight Camp, a fantastic vintage Hearn idea, launches the 1st of August. These are fights that take place in Eddie's back garden. As Eddie says, there is a bit of spin involved there, but I'll, I'll let him uh, I'll let him tell you more about that. Fight Camp takes place, starts the 1st of August. Um, that's an unusual way that I just said the word August. <laughs> a long pause between the ah, I've never done that before August um, excellent uh, cards as he says not always, not always household names but yet uh, for sports aficionados this is uh, a welcome return of the sweet science um, as, you, as you'll discover I, I love this episode and a lot of what Eddie said has really stayed with me uh, I was interviewed on a, a comedy podcast and found myself <laughs> referring to stuff, you know, uh, crediting Eddie, but referring to stuff that Eddie had said. It, it really rubbed off on me uh, and had a, a quite a, a profound effect. I've been quoting the stuff that he said to my, I mean, my, my poor wife. God bless her. Uh, but anyway, I, I love this episode a great deal and I love Eddie Hearn a great deal and I hope I get to... Sound like a sound like a sound like a One Direction fan who's interviewed uh, Harry Styles, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, I, I hope I get to. As with his dad, I, I got to shake his dad by the hand and thank him for everything. And the same goes for for Eddie. So here he is, uh, the the wonderful Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn. Morning. 
Mate, how are you? Good, you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm uh, I'm I'm, qu- I'm quite the Hearn family super fan, so I need to keep my fanboy levels in check here. <laughs> I was just we were just laughing in the office about Virgil Van Dyke tweeting no context Hearn last night. It's just it's just been like people still think because I'm devious, right? People still like you done that account, didn't you? I, said, I swear I didn't. Because, <laughs> like the way that it's worked out. It's amazing. You know, you've got all these people, like, with followers, you know, millions of followers tweeting stuff, obviously with quotes from me. And no one, like, the best thing and the funniest thing about that is 90% of the people on his, on his of his followers had no idea who I was. But, and then, but what's happening now is people are stopping me going, I've had it, honestly, about a couple of times every day. Why does your face look familiar? Right, and it used to be I, I used to go boxing, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, you're a promoter, aren't you? Yeah. Now I'm like um, Instagram. Yeah, the memes. Yeah, that meme. You're the meme guy, aren't you? I'm like fucking hell. I'm the meme guy. I've been I've been grafting for fucking twenty years. <laughs> I'm the meme guy. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, so, I, mean, I, mean I, was, I was gonna I was gonna raise that. I was gonna I was gonna uh, leave it till the end. But uh, what I will say is a lot of Let's be honest, a lot of people would have seen those videos and no context and all of that, and they would have shut it down. And mm. the fact that you've embraced it, I mean, there's even, I think there's a picture with you with one of the mugs or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair play to you, because the guy, whoever set it up, must have thought... So it's, a, it's a guy called Andy, and yeah. he works for the NHS. And he messaged me, I don't know, probably two years ago now, and he said, look, I watch all your interviews, blah, blah. I said, I think they're hilarious. Do you mind if I just, I'm going to do this no context stuff, people have done a few accounts and do you mind? But obviously at that stage, I just thought, how big can it be? How big can it get? Do you know what I mean? So I was like, whatever, mate, yeah, crack on. And then it went like 5,000 followers, 10,000, 50, 100, 200, 300. And then the, the but he actually said, he messaged me and says, you know, the one on Instagram is not me. So someone else has created a no context Instagram account that's not him. And it's like a bit of a sort of cyber rivalry there, you know. And uh, then he comes to me about the mugs and pint glasses. They're doing hats now and T-shirts. And actually at that stage, I was a little bit, hang on, they are my quotes. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so I just said to him, look, just put 25% into the, this uh, hospice that we work with. So he done that and they sent him like five or six grand. So great. Um, but now it's just, like literally I was, I was at home last night and my phone was just going mental. I thought, what the fuck? And I went on that and you see like Virgil, the first thing he put out after they won the Premier League, you know, I don't know, 15,000 retweets, 100,000 likes, something like that. And it's just, it, it just makes me laugh. It shows you the world that we live in today. Like I said, where that's one of the reasons why I've got this book launch in October and it's, it's a business book. And I just wanted to try and sort of remind people that I am a businessman first. Like that's my passion. And, and I'd like to think my greatest success was my achievements in business rather than a couple of funny one-liners on memes. Do you know what I mean? But it is the world we live in. You know, if I, when I look at my kids now, yeah, my kids will run into my room and say, Dad! Oh, just so and so just liked my tweet. Like, he, uh, who is he? Oh, he's so famous. He's so famous. I said, well, what does he do? He's got like nine million followers. She says, you know. I said, and what, what does he do? No, he's like he just he does these big challenges and you know these TikToks and I'm like, fucking hell, what has happened? It's true. But, you know, it's the way of the world, I guess. I think I just think that as well. Those people, obviously, I know the guys KSI and Logan Paul and those guys quite well. Sure. And I do actually think they get the fact that you do have to be a good role model, especially in their position. Like they're a bit wacky, but they're quite bright as well. But yeah. you don't realise the influence that those people have on the next generation. Oh, it's incredible. So whether it's educating them about life and manners and the way to behave or more important things in modern society like Black Lives Matter or whatever it is, their platforms are so powerful, so powerful. And um, 
it's just the way of the world. You know, our heroes used to be, um, you know, Lineker, Gaza, Botham, whoever, you know. Hey, Chris Akabusi. Chris Akabusi. Well, that's a random one. Yeah. yeah. But that's, honestly, I mean, that's actually, genuinely a hero to me. I'll tell you who's a hero. How are you? Sorry, go on. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too, I'm not too bad. I was, I was going to say. Old, like, how old are you? Oh, me, I'm uh, 42. Okay, I'm 41, so same, you know, same Tell you thing. What, mate, one, of, one of us has aged much better than the other one. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, I'm a bit of crafty combing going on. <laughs> <don't worry. laughs> mate, I miss those days. Um, mm. I mean, I've been, I've been a, I mean, I, I used to be a sports writer. I was a sports writer for about 10 years. <laughs> oh, sorry, you're right there. Yeah, yeah cool. I thought you stormed off then. And I, inter- I interviewed your dad a couple of times and... Your your dad might be, and also you know it's a compliment to you as well because you, you know you're the same. But one of the great talkers, you know, one of the great, you know, I think I think the skill of being an orator is 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 it's almost like a it's almost like a, a lost art form. And your dad, one of the all time greats, you absolutely followed in his footsteps. There was there ever. Was there ever a thought where you might not follow in his footsteps? You know, a lot of people want to almost rebel against what their mum and dad might have done. Yeah, I think I spent most of my early life being Barry Hearn's son, you know, and I think it secretly embedded a chip on my shoulder that probably at the time, I, you know, I never was never growing up going, oh, people just look at me as Barry Hearn's son, but you couldn't avoid it, you know, like, I would follow him around the world going to boxing events and, you know, Steve Davis was my godfather and like everyone in school knew I was Barry Hearn's son and I played cricket for Essex for from under 12 to like under 17s and I was good enough to get in the team but it was always like, yeah, but they're never going to drop him, he's Barry Hearn's son, you know what I mean? So, and I was a flash kid, probably a little bit spoiled but he always, you know, he drummed into me he was petrified of me being that silver spoon kid that he takes a mickey out of me for now. You know, he wanted to drum in the working class mentality and he, I think he did a good job on that. But I never once growing up said, I want to follow in his footsteps quite strangely. Like I never said, I want to be a boxing promoter or I want to be a promoter. And I didn't really know what else. I guess like all kids, I wanted to be a sportsman. You know, that was the dream. And that the next best thing if you're not good enough to play sports for a living, which I wasn't, is to work in sport. Yeah. So that's why I was a sports I, reporter. Same thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but when I left college, the last thing I wanted to do was go and work for him because that was, and that was probably something that always played up in my life. Whatever you do, because growing up, it's like even you'd sit your GCSEs or you're like, well, what do you need your qualifications for anyway? You're only going to go and work with your dad, you know. And it was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go out. And I thought one, you know, probably my aspirations at 15, 16, 17, 18, was probably to go and work in the city. You know, a lot of my friends had left school and became stock traders and and stuff like that. So, but then when I left college, I got a university place in Bournemouth where my sister went and I decided, I wrote to every sports management company that was out there, IMG, um, you know, Octagon, every, and about three or four interviews. And every interview I went to, I sat down and they just said to me, you any relation to Barry Hearn? And I'm like, yes, my dad. And they said, what are you doing here? Do you know what I mean? Like we weren't, we were small then as well as a business compared to where we are now. But yeah. they were like, you know, you've got a good business there, don't you? And I said, no, I don't want to do that. It's the last thing I want to do. So I got a job with a company called BDS Sponsorship, which was a sports sponsorship and event company. And I worked there for like three or four years, then moved and probably had about five years in the industry without working for him. But, they were always a little bit sort of standoffish, couldn't quite get their head around what I was doing. And inevitably, they felt that I would, you know, go on and, and work for him anyway. I think in terms of being an orator and, and talking, that is purely through being around him from the age of, obviously, as a, as a kid, but being conscious of what he's saying and, and, and subconsciously listening to him, filtering in everything he's saying, whether that's sitting in his study for an hour because he would just sit on the phone all night working and I would just be in the room and it would be filtering in or watching him talking interviews, talking in front of the camera. But, and also my sales experience at a young age, because that was, you know, the one thing that, that we, we know we're fantastic at is selling. 
you know, and it's like a dying art, you know, and it will will always be, in my opinion, the, the biggest asset of, of, of a business is their ability to sell. And I did it through cold calling, you know, whether it's selling double glazing windows after college, which I did, whether it's selling sponsorship and advertising at Leighton Orient, trying to sell local businesses sponsorship, whether it's selling sponsorship packages when I went into the workplace and for events. So that's something that I've managed to transform from the selling element of a product to still selling a product in our events. Yeah. But speaking, when you're selling, if you believe in your product and you can speak with passion, Really, sales is just a transfer of feelings between two people. So if when I'm talking about an upcoming show on our event, and you can feel that energy and you can almost, you know, you can you feel like you can reach out and grab it, that's when, you, you know, you know, one, you're a good salesman, but two, you've got a good product as well. And, you know, you'll know when I deliver, if I've got an average show coming up, I'll still give it everything at the press conference. But in here, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of a struggle. And when I've got, the nuts, the crown jewels. It's 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 ABC for me, you know. Absolutely. I'll be honest. I mean, my wife will back me up on this, as will the kids. So, I'm not just saying this. As soon as you come on to Sky Sports News, mate, I'm at, I'm, <laughs> I stop whatever I'm doing, and I I I'd love to listen to you speak. It's fantastic. I said to um, I was playing golf with Jamie Redknapp, a good friend of mine, the other day, and he said, "How do you do that down the line? You know, like because they'll, they'll just put something in your ear and they'll say, tell us, and then." And I can't tell you our natural, like he said, mate, did you, did you have, did you have like training or something? Like I said, mate, I said, I'm not bright. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm average in terms of intelligence. I never excelled at school, you know, but that is just something that I don't think some people can do it. Some people can't, but again, it still comes down to the passion and the love you have for what you do. It's just like anyone even someone who might, you know, a footballer who might not be the most eloquent person in the world. Yeah. When when there's that emotion after a performance or a victory, it, you, you don't have to be. You know, as long as you can deliver that that honesty and that that and, and we pride ourselves because we can on telling the truth. Yeah. And I'm a promoter. I'll spin things. Of course, I will. But basically, we have no fear of telling the truth. And can't remember the quote. Some old, it might be Oscar Wilde, who said uh, some something like, "It's fantastic to be able to tell the truth because you never have to remember what you said." You know, and I think yeah. that's that's, that's in so life. Good. Once you start, once you start telling the truth, and just being so comfortable with yourself and what you do, life is so much happier because actually you ain't got nothing to worry about. You, you, you know, you're you're completely flawless in character where, you know, I'll do something with Coogan or whatever it is, and I'll just, I'll be completely honest, you know, and people, people like that. People still think you're selling porky pies and, you know, I will spin the truth every now and again, but <laughs> generally, like, I've got nothing to lie about. You know, if you ask me a question, that's, that's why when I do an interview, people say, oh, do you mind if I ask you, you know, I say, mate, don't, you know, or do you want to see the questions before? I, no, just ask whatever you want. Doesn't There's nothing you could ask me that I wouldn't answer, you know, and I think that it's nice to be able to do that, you know. I, I, I want to get on to fight camp, but there's one thing I wanted to ask you. Um, you mentioned Davis, you mentioned Gaza. Now, you know, I, we both grew up in the 80s, and, and the, I don't know about you, but as a kid, I loved these flawed geniuses who perhaps didn't quite fulfil the potential. So maybe it was the, the Gazas of this world and the, the, the Alex Higgins. And then the older I get, the people I admire are the... The Akabuses, the Steve Davises, mm. the AJs, those who, whatever talent they've got, they've worked hard, they've wrung every drop of perspiration out, rather than the guys who perhaps didn't apply themselves in the way that they could have done, and they're perhaps, you know, off the pitch or away from the table, maybe things were a bit too, shall we say, colourful. Um, is, is that something you, you subscribe to there? Yeah, I do think that when you look at growing a narrative of a sport or a character or personality, the flawed ones, as you say, are sometimes the ones that are more popular and can really drive the 
the sort of relevance and the profile of a sport. If you look back at snooker at the eighties, yeah, you know when my dad was doing snooker loopy, you know, and Eight. getting in the top ten of the charts. And I remember being at school and you know, people, said, your dad was on top of the pops last night. I was like, I can't believe this. But what <laughs> happened was, you got a sport where the man, and, and I think this is relevant in darts as well in in this in the modern age. You got a sport where you know what I said before about that rawness and that openness of people, you had a, a bunch of characters, and, and this is where my dad is a genius, and I try and follow in that mantra, is you have to have a narrative for each individual. You have to let the public know and understand that person, and there's no better way to do that than to give them a nickname. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Because, you know, and, and that's why when you look at Jimmy Whirlwind White, Alex Hurricane Higgins, you know, Bill Werbening, do you remember him? I think he was the walrus or whatever he was, yeah, drunk right. 15 pints. Yeah. Kirk Stevens, you know, said, you're going to come out in a white suit, you know, and play. Willie Thorne, rest his soul, you know, with his bald head. Yeah. Dennis Taylor with the upside down glasses. Absolutely. Steve, what, what are we going to call you? Interesting, right? You're Steve Interesting Davis, you know. And snooker in those days was there wasn't a player that couldn't play in a session that you wouldn't switch on and go, oh, look, it's Tony Mio. Give him a bowl of spaghetti. Yeah. You know, that's what we do. So, Tony, we're going to do a photo shoot with you with the spaghetti in your mouth because you're, maybe your great, 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 great granddad was Italian. So that'll do. <laughs> you know, and that's and that's where literally my dad would sit down and say, this is you, this is you. You know, that's, and sport has become so intense and so monetized that the passion has gone a little bit out of it because of the amount of money in sport. And listen, sometimes... We're guilty of, of that fact as well. But back then, honestly, like, don't get me wrong, people were playing for prize money, but they were living for the buzz of being in that moment, on that tour, travelling to China, being on the BBC, you know, doing celebrity appearances, playing, going straight to the bar after, going to a nightclub, still in their dicky bow, waking up in the morning, and sport has become so monetized that actually pe- sometimes the individuals have become almost robotic sure. because it's become a science. So now you've got snooker players who will be timing their sleep at night, who will be doing a stretching session in the morning, yeah. followed by a light run, followed by a nap and a protein shake, and then their game. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. And that's fine because kids need to understand that you can't behave like Bill Werbenick or Alex Higgins when you play sport. But for us growing up and for that generation, you know, those people will always be iconic. I think when you look at uh, boxing, same kind of thing with Ricky Hatton. You know, Ricky Hatton will always be a folk hero. But the truth is, Ricky Hatton never had the dedication and discipline to get the max out of his ability. But he will always be a legend to the people because he was one of their own, one of our own, you know. So I think that when you when you look at any sport, you have to, and every athlete, particularly fighters, have stories, and most of them are great stories. You know, I can sit down with a fighter and just say, tell me about your life. Honestly, every, literally everyone is fascinating, you know, because these are special individuals. But you have to tell that story. If someone's telling me a story about where they grew up and their parents fled to wherever and they grew up with some random bloke who their dad knew and, you know, he went to jail. And, and you're sitting there going, my God, you, know, you almost want to make a documentary about every single one of them. Yeah. But, and with darts as well, I feel that darts has got that rawness that snooker had in the 80s where, although they're taking it very seriously and practicing for hours and hours, they are still a little bit loose you know, they do like a little drink. They do, oh, you know, and you only have to look at where they've come from. So all of a sudden now you've got a guy who was a, worked in a steel factory on 18 grand a year. Yeah. He's now making 2 million quid a year playing darts, but walking out and you, you know, you've only got to look at his face to know that he's fucking over the moon yeah. with it all. You know, he's sort of 10,000 people. Going nuts. And, and that, that comes through the screen. The public can see that and go, yeah, I like this guy. Other, other athletes might be making 50 million and would walk past the young kid getting out of a bus, you know, as they got off a team coach 
and swerve signing his autograph because they can't be asked with it or oh more people will come then so I'll just you know so it is difficult but for me the flawed geniuses are always the ones that are actually easier to sell you know and and really in boxing you've got the guy who gets the absolute max out of what he does um, and will be always be an unbelievable role model for kids you know for, for people in general in Anthony Joshua and you've got more of a flawed genius in Tyson Fury <laughs> who will make mistakes and will crumble and has imploded and but you know sometimes the public like that as well I feel like it depends the type of individual you are if you strive for excellence yourself and you are dedicated and you are trying to be great in your field you will always lend yourself to Anthony Joshua and say wow the discipline and but if you are you know a little bit on the wild side or maybe you are flawed in your own character you're like the guy that is a little bit crazy and anything could happen and but there's room for all of those in selling the sport and the narrative of the sport and you know I, I'm, I do miss the days growing up like you said you know when you talk about I mean it's interesting you said about Chris Akabusi because I, th- I feel like athletics is actually a sport that has really suffered from that sort of robotic, monetized... I can't think of a sport that's probably Probably drug infueled environment where it's like, okay, how do I become the fastest? You know, do I cheat? Do I just lock myself away? Do I become a robot, a machine somewhere? And then you look back, I mean, when you think about the names, you know, in the areas that you know, with Akabusi, with Steve Cram, with Ovette, with Liz McColgan, with Tessa Sanderson, Fatima Whitbread, Daily Top. I mean, that they, I, I miss that. I think athletics, for me, will always be, track and field will always be a great, great, great sport and event, you know? It's funny, uh, Akabusi did this podcast and we named, without even trying, 20 household names from the 80s and mm. 90s, literally like that, yeah. not even... And he said, your average person on the street these days, you could bear. Well, I, I couldn't, I couldn't give you, do you know what? I might not even be able to, uh, Dina, Dina Asher-Smith and um, the heptathlete uh, from Liverpool. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's it, yeah. And honestly, that's about it. And, that, and I'm a sports fan, yeah. you know. But don't you think it's the same? We had the conversation recently about rugby league. And they came to us and they said, would you be interested in taking rugby league forward? And I was like, you know, growing up, Ellery Hanley, you know, or I said, they said, tell me some people you know in rugby league. And I was like, Farrell, Ellery Hanley, Jamie Peacock. And they're like, oh, blimey, you know, they've all gone, they've retired. Said, exactly. Yeah. That's the issue now. You know, that there's, there aren't those characters. And, and part of that is because probably the demise of um, terrestrial TV covering the sport but also it's down to the promotion of those individual um, athletes and and I feel like uh, and another thing I know it's a bit off topic but Formula One okay so I've never watched Formula One I've no interest in Formula One you know what I'm the same but I watch Drive to Survive right on Netflix which is a new documentary watch it right it's because all I see in Formula One is a load of boring drivers and a load of cars and basically the more money you spend on the car the faster you're going to go right and you go round and round this track and you can't even see it when you're there (laughs) right but when you actually start being educated about the sport that's why we invest so much in shoulder programming digital content where you can start you know all of a sudden i know all the drivers right i know the team leaders i know how the teams work the politics between the teams the arguments between you know, Red Bull and Renault and, you know, the drivers trying to win their seat and all this. Now, I'm following Formula One. You know, I watched the, the last Grand Prix. I'm actually invested in it. Sure. So I feel like the same with Rugby League where you can't just expect people just to plop up on a Saturday and say, oh, who's this? You know, Hull against Warrington. Oh, who are they? What's the history of the club? Fucking where are they? Most people don't even know where Warrington is. <laughs> but who are the players? What are their backgrounds? You know, where are they in the league? What the fuck? What is the league table? Where is it? You know, I couldn't turn on rugby league now and tell you who was the top team, who was winning the league, who the players were, how it works. You know, you've got to educate the casual fan. And too many sports focus on the hardcore fan. 
this is sometimes sometimes where I get criticised by the hardcore fan. Is you know, oh, you just casuals. The casuals love you, Herm. I'm like, yeah. You know what? The fucking casuals are 95 percent of the market. Yeah. And unless you educate the casuals about your sport, you have zero opportunity for growth. And that's what people don't. And the same with rugby league. Rugby league fans will always buy Sky Package. They are so hardcore rugby league fans. It's that they're just it's completely in their blood, in their heritage. But what about the other 95% of the world? You know? So listen, we can't fix everything, but I think we've got a good model. Um, now, can you tell, and I'll be honest with you, if, if, if I was to show you my collection of audio books, they're all self-help. Every single one of yeah. them are, are striving to be better. I, I'd make Oprah Winfrey blush. <laughs> so your new book, when I heard about mm. it, and I'm not, I know it sounds like I've gone full QVC, but I absolutely mean this. <laughs> I feel like you've written it for me. I cannot, I, yeah. I literally cannot wait to read it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Could you please share with us uh, what it's about? Yeah, so I got approached to do a book, and I thought it was quite funny, really, because, and this probably doesn't come across, but I'm not, I'm not insecure, but I'm not like, I don't feel like, I feel like I'm doing good. But when I get asked to do something like write a book, I'm like, really? Like, oh, yeah, you know. And then I said to him, but a document, I said, oh, sorry, autobiography. I said, I'm 41. I said, no, no, we don't want, you yeah, know, we want it on mindset, work ethic, you know, obviously strategy. I'm like, so I started, I told my old man about it and he just took the piss out of me. We were writing a business book, you know, and, and we were having a laugh about it. Um, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm, you know, when you talk about self-help and self-care and mental health and mindset, it's only really probably in the last five years where I've started taking note of that. I have to be honest, like maybe, 10, 15, 20 years ago, when you talked about mental health, I thought that nah, don't even exist. You know, I mean, what? It's just maybe you're drinking too much or you're on drugs or, you know, you're just, you're, you're a bit lost and, you know, you're using it as an excuse. Now, as the world advances, we know it's very real and very serious. And the book really talks about a lot of strategy side on, in terms of business. So selling, you know, is a huge part of the book, negotiating, um, you know, social media. And it talks through a lot of my experiences around AJ and the Klitschko fight, the Ruiz loss and stuff like that. But generally it's about, it's about, you know, the different kind of chapters. So the first chapter is really about playing the hand you're dealt. And what that means is, is you have to accept where you are and get a good understanding of reality and, 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 and be truthful to yourself. So a lot of people, when I posted about the book, it was like, chapter one, have a rich dad, end of book. 
you know what I mean? And I was saying, uh, but the first chapter kind of reflects on that and says that everyone has their own struggles. So my dad had a few quid, right? I grew up in a mansion. That's my hand, right? You, my, your mum and dad might have left you when you were two. You grew up on a council estate. You had nothing. That's your hand. But we have to be accepting of that and not also you know, have a chip on our shoulder about where we've come from. In terms of mindset and strategy and, and emotion and self-help, for me, the greatest sort of strategy is a short-term one. So what helps me a lot when I'm feeling you know, a little bit down or a little bit lost is to just stay in the moment of where I am now. Some people in my opinion, the biggest cause of, I, I just feel that like one of the biggest mental weaknesses is overthinking. And like, I, I remember a couple of weeks ago, shout out to the, the brother-in-law, but he is one of the biggest overthinkers I've ever met. And hey, you, you, you're talking to another. Well, yeah, but we was in the kitchen. He was like, you know, I was just thinking like, you know, and, and oh, you know, think about that. But then I'm thinking to myself, oh, I said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? It's like, what, what do you mean? I said, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, no, but I'm just, you know, I think I should do that. But then I thought, if I do that, I'm like, wait, relax, take a breath. I said, just keep things simple. And keeping things simple mean wake up every day and say, what do I have to do today to generate my version of success right and that can be anything from leaving earlier for work walking the dog going to the gym cooking a bit of dinner having a golf lesson buying a book reading a book like it's it's it varies so widely but it's your personal goals i said don't worry about me if you you know if you're struggling don't worry about medium or long-term plans you have to have a medium and long-term strategy, but without short-term success, they're completely irrelevant anyway. So before you start worrying about this and that, then you might not even get there. You know, all you've got to do every day is get up, do as much as you can in that day, achieve as much as you can, work as hard as you can, but focus on the short-term goals. Because if you want to get to A to B, if you don't worry about the journey from A to B, it's completely irrelevant. People are worried about, yeah, but when I get to C, oh, fuck C, that's miles away. You may never even get there. I mean, you know what? When you get there and you're, and you're faced with the problems there, you go back, you revert to type. You go back to exactly what I just said. Okay, now I've got a bigger problem or this one. Okay, so just touch step by step. Some, you know, some people see a problem as one issue. It's not. It's lots of different little problems rolled into one that you've got to individually overcome. And I think that overthinking things is, you know, is a disaster, disaster, especially if you might be mentally weak or frail at that particular moment. You've just got to literally, Now, sometimes if I feel like I'm going off track a little bit or, you know, I need to focus, I will just literally write down five things that I want to achieve today. That is it. And I promise when you get home or you go to bed, you will go, okay, now it's a good day, productive. There's no better... Um, medicine or cure for mental health than productivity and the feeling of value, worth, or particularly progress. And there's no feeling like progress. Like I said, it doesn't matter if it's so, so simple and basic. You know, it could be like anything. Go, go, go to the shop before you go to work, get your lunch and bring it in so you don't have to nip out. And, you know, it, it's, just, it's just in here. So, um, I do that a lot, you know, I'll, I'll say, oh, well, you know, you need to focus, you just, you might not be, but I'm a very simple person, like, I think, actually, super intelligent people have much bigger mental frailty, because they can have these deep thoughts, and they can, you know, that they're, they're bright, they're intelligent, and they can overthink things, whereas I think I'm simple, you know, I get up every day, I work as hard as I can, try and go to the gym, have a bit of grub, play with the kids, go to bed, get up, repeat. But a simple life is a very good solution to solving your, you know, your mental health or your mental frailties. So there's a look on in that um, in the book. And also, you know, just talking about drive, work ethic, passion. 
you know, the, the love of something that will make you go out. And, and the fact that, and we talk about positivity, I think positivity, there's a lot of these books where it's a load of bollocks, really. You know, oh, just be positive, stay positive. Yeah, anyone can say that. But without action, it's all completely irrelevant. You know, stay positive. Yeah, I'm going to be positive now. All right, well, what have you fucking done about it? Nothing. Or you're just walking around smiling and telling everyone you're really positive, where really you're not. You're unhappy. You're sad. You're not actually positive. And I was speaking to Ann Middleton recently on, on my podcast. He was saying about people sometimes confuse positivity with happiness. And I thought was a, a, a really, I really got on that because I would say to my, I would say I'm a very positive person. Doesn't mean I'm always happy, but people always think if you're positive, it's if you're you know upbeat, things are great. You're happy, you know. But it's, the two it helps. Don't get me wrong. If you're a positive individual, and it helps approaching tasks or solving problems or having that positive mindset but it doesn't mean that you're happy in your life and i think what lockdown has shown us is actually just allowed you to take a little step back you know and said hang on a minute how is your life are you are you happy and i feel like lockdown showed me that i got embroiled in this rat race of achievement and success and you know overcoming the competitors and dominating a, a space to actually what is important you know is it a case of if you were number one if you are successful if you are making a load of money if you are putting on good shows you're still happy you know actually when I look back over the last two years traveling to America every other week you know it's been the most wild amazing experience but I probably wasn't as happy as I've been in lockdown when I weren't working at all you know so it's difficult And, and also now Coming out of lockdown, the final chapter of the book is about dealing with the new world we live in, which is much tougher. You know, you've got to be much more dynamic financially. The world has changed completely. And all the elements of the book sort of amplified to say when you come back. But it, it does. It's quite honest. You know, it doesn't say, yeah, and now lockdown's over. You go out there, you smash. It's more like you have to do what makes you happy. And when you are on, you know, I've, I've uh, lost my granddad last week and I went to see him, you know, oh, his final few hours. Uh, but I thought he was 93, so he had a cracking run. And I thought, sort of looked at him, I thought, when it's all said and done, what, you've got to be able to lay there and go, fuck me, I had a cracker. I did everything I can. You know, it's a bit like an athlete. I've just lost your audio there, Eddie. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Said, you know, I was, I was looking at my granddad thinking, when you lay there in your final days, final hours, you've got to be able to look at yourself and look at your life and say, oh, that was great. I gave it everything. I couldn't have done any more because there's nothing like having regrets. It's a bit like an athlete. You know, and we talked about earlier about these flawed geniuses. They don't live you know, mentally. It's very difficult for them to accept that they underachieved or they didn't actually achieve what they should have achieved. And that goes for Joe Bloggs on the street. You know, maybe you, maybe you don't care. Maybe you want to get to a stage where you, you pass away and you leave this earth and you go, yeah, it's all right. You know? Yeah. I suppose I'd have laughed and I didn't really achieve much, but it's life, isn't it? I'm not one of those people. I want to sit there. And, and this comes with my dad. There is no one I've ever met who has lived life day like, like, like him. Like he's done He's got the max out of virtually every day of his life since I've met him. Do you know what I mean? And and now when you realise that, it pushes you harder to say, it's easy to get up and do nothing or have a day where you're a bit, you know, a couple of days like that. But actually, do you want to sit there when you're older and go, could have done a bit more? You know, for me, when I pack it in or when I leave this earth, I want to go, do you know what? You couldn't have done any more. You had a right go. You had a right go. And, and it's time for me to go. And, and I left my, my print or my mark on this world, you know, and I think that's what you've always got to be mindful of is this life is, is, uh, is short and one day you will exit this earth. But you have to be happy. But depending on the type of individual you are, for me, you have to have that sense of fulfilment to say, I have achieved, I have done all I can. And that comes from mindset, work ethic, but also the type of individual you are. You know, if you're a go-getter, you can't just turn someone into a go-getter. You know, go and have a chat with them. 
you know, positive mindset, be positive, yeah, self-help, yeah, you're going to go out and rule the world. Because it's about the individual. You've got to be driven to do Some people don't want to do that. Some people are happy in their life. And I'm envious of those people, you know, with a simple life. Just because some blokes on 500 quid a week or 400 quid a week and works seven till seven on a building site, don't mean he's got a shit life. Doesn't mean he's not happy. He might have a, He might be happier than me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So really, it's just, you know, I don't think there's no, there's no, there's no, manual is there there's no sort of user guide to to success or mindset but i think discussion is good and i think this book is really about talking about it and and it's my opinion on it and it's how it's helped me and i think it helps others as well but you know some people read it and say yeah i get that and others well no it's not really for me but certainly if you want to achieve it's a good book you know if you're if you're that guy that don't really want to listen to me rabble on about what I think it takes or what, what, what I think is a basic understanding of being positive and comfortable on, on the mental side as well, then, you know, it's for you. So I nearly saluted you there during that answer. <laughs> I, yeah. Keep, keeping it simple. People say, I get that a lot. People like in my DMs on Instagram and stuff like that saying, I'm struggling a bit at the moment. You know, have you got any advice? I say, mate, just slow down day by day. Day by day, because the reality is, the only thing you got to do is keep breathing. You know, that, that's it. But just write down what do you want to achieve, and every day, if you can tick off that list, even if it's four out of five, and it might, like I said, it might be soppy things on the list. But when at the end of the day, when you sit there and you see ticks across that, that five, you'll go, okay, progress, progress, bit by bit. Life is about progress and about momentum and feeling like you're moving in the right direction. But please tell me you're doing the audio book of the book. Yeah, do you know, it was something that it's in the contract of the book and Thank I didn't realise the demand for that and we will do it. But literally when I posted about the book, 80% of the replies were, you must, you're doing the audio book, right? So yeah, in, in short, I think they've seen that and uh, we'll have to find some time to do it. But um, I still, I find it, I do find it quite strange that, you know, and even the pre-sales, doesn't launch till the end of October, but the pre-sales are tracking really strong. They're saying, you know, we might get in the Times top hundred books and stuff like this. I'm like, really? Wow. You know, it's 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 nice to be able to do that. Because like I said, going back to the memes and stuff like that, it is nice to remind people that my passion, my love, what I what I want to be remembered for is is really my achievements in business and being a good bloke and a laugh and all that kind of stuff. And the, the memes help satisfy that element but i want to be taken seriously you know i do have a, a ferocious uh, appetite for for success and plans to take our business here to global levels that you know my dad still looks at me now and says Are you sure about this you know we've got a lovely little business yeah you know i'm saying that but that, <laughs> you know, the only way i can be judged is where I can, you know, I can't, if i just carried on then people would just look at me and say yeah but you you had a leg up and I did have a leg up, unquestionably. But, you know, I had the responsibility to try and succeed and outperform him. And that's how I will be judged. I was going to say, because history is littered with people who, you know, their, their mother or their father had, had achieved X. And therefore, they, they sort of, they, be, they, they drift out of life. But the fact that you've done the opposite and you've grabbed life by the scruff of the neck when you, you know, you technically didn't have to, you could have, you know, been on the lilo sipping a yeah. cocktail and the fact that you've done the opposite, as you can probably tell, I admire you so much because of that. Yeah. I think, um, I, I sometimes say in a lot of interviews, people laugh, but I'm quite jealous that I never got the chance to try it from nothing. Do you know what I mean? Because I, just, I feel like I, I still would have been an achiever, but like I say, going back to play the hand you dealt, you know, but sometimes I walk around my dad's house with him and he's got, you know, what, 300 acres and he's just look on his face as if to say, I can't believe I've got this and I can't have that feeling. Don't get me wrong. I walk around there and think this is amazing, but he grew up in a two bedroom house in Dagnall on a council estate. His dad was a bus driver and I'm quite jealous of him that he's able to have that unbelievable feeling of, I just can't believe where my life's gone. So the only way I can get that feeling, and it's not about having a big house or, you know, 
a boat or a plane or that kind of stuff. It's about taking the business to levels where I can go, I can't believe what we've achieved. Because I don't have that feeling yet. And that's good news for our business. Because it means I don't feel like I've achieved 50% of where I want to be. So I set the bar that high that that's the levels that I want to get to where I can turn around and say, wow, look at how far we've come, I've come. Because the material stuff, I've always had it. Very lucky, blessed. You know? And when you talk about you know, what you said about you know, uh, people whose parents have had success trying to achieve a success, you, you are right. It's difficult to, to say that because the man on the street would always go, oh, leave off. You know what I mean? You, you know. But when you look at some people that I admire, and one of them particularly who I went to school with is Frank Lampard. You know, when Frank Lampard was playing school, football at school, he had his, it was just your Frank Lampard's son. Oh, you're going to get into West Ham. And when he got into West Ham, he got ridiculed by the fans, you know, by other players. And actually, arguably, he, might, he was on the cusp of actually being even good enough to get a deal at West Ham. But he worked so hard, Frank Lampard. You know, I used to watch him over the fields at school with his dad doing shuttle runs. And like, he, was, he was relentless. And I look at him and I think, you, you're a good role model. And... and there's a lot of similarities between us other than I can't play football to save my life. But, you know, where people just thought that he was where he was because of his old man and the levels that he's gone to, no one even knows. You know, this I take, take the piss out of my dad constantly. I say, I used to be Barry Hearn's son. Now you're Eddie Hearn's dad. People go up, people go up to him and say, you are, you're Eddie Hearn's dad, aren't you? Right? And he just, he just cracks up. But you, you think now... Does anyone even know who Frank Lampard's dad is? You know, I mean, in, in this era, we know he was a great player at West Ham, sure. but the son, you know, the, the levels that Frank is, Jr. has gone to oh. has created his own legacy. You know, he's one of the greatest players of all time, and I want to be one of the greatest promoters of all time. So, you know, it's, um, it's all about your drive, isn't it, and mindset. And that little chip on the shoulder. I, I bet, you know, when he talks about it, I bet he had the same chip that I had. You know, which was just I want to I want to be my own person. I want to, I want to make my own success. I mean, I, I know you've been so generous with your time, but uh, b- before you go, that there's an idea that you've come up with that your dad, you know, your, your dad would approve. Uh, it, you know, it's as with any great Hearn idea, it's such a brilliant idea. The the, the fight camp. Can you mm. through that? Yeah, he's not. Well, he's not very happy with it because it's going to ruin the, the lawn and the uh, the garden. <laughs> in your ideas you know it's very easy to second guess yourself a lot and I feel like a great a lot of great ideas and a lot of great projects or businesses have probably failed because of people second guessing themselves and sometimes you have to take a leap of faith just with gut feeling you know and I look back on some of those decisions over the career over my career one that stands out is Frotch Groves at Wembley you know, that was a decision that I made where I just, you know, he said to me, don't do it there. You know, he said, it's 80,000 people. I remember when I did the Eubank-Watson rematch at White Hart Lane, it bombed. And, you know, I just feel that it's too big. And I felt it wasn't. And we could make this happen. It would change the game. And we sold it out on the first day. And Fight Camp is another kind of example of that where, you know, we, we, were, we were in a time where things were just going crazy. And I just felt we've got to come back. You know, I've spent 10 years trying to grow the sport to levels where it's the visual impact of, of, of the event is so important. And I don't want to take boxing now back to a studio where everyone's going to flick off. And over that period, people will fall out of love with the sport. Sport's all about momentum. So is business. So you, when you create something, it's all about the hype, right? So all of a sudden, you know, of course, the hype is it's in Eddie Earn's back garden, right? It is, but it's really my mum and dad's house and it's the headquarters and it's fucking quite palatial. Yeah. But my mum phoned me up and said, you sound like a right spoiled brat, you do. Your garden, it's not your garden, it's that's our house that is, you know. But I said, mum, that's the cell, you know. It's in the garden, Trying times, testing times. You know what we're going to do? We're gonna, and everyone now, you know, as many people are stopping me and saying, you're that guy from the memes again. When's, when's that thing in your garden? You know, so Fight Camp has become a brand. It's become a project. So whilst 
really good 50-50 fights. They're not huge names, but it doesn't matter because you're bought into the concept. You're going to be tuning in because you're intrigued. What is this fight camp? It's Gardner. I want to see. And the numbers will be really good. We've got to keep that momentum. It's a four-week period, one show every week, culminating in Dillian White, Pebecki, Katie Taylor against Pursuit, which is a huge fight. And, yeah, you know, when we started, it was like, what, what are you? But now people have completely bought in, not just the fans, but also the people in the industry, maybe some people here who thought I was a bit mad, or people at Sky who were like, you know, even my dad, who, you know, it's a lot more expensive than doing it in some small studio somewhere, but don't you want to make a statement? You know, this is going to be seen all around the world and we will be remembered for being innovative, being different. No one else is doing it. Everyone else is just doing it in the studio. Our first show in America, August 15th, is on the streets of Tulsa, you know, within the financial district with, with skyscrapers everywhere and everybody else is doing it in a casino behind closed doors. So we want to put our stamp on things, but it all comes down to hype, really. You know, so next week, it's all about from Monday, in the garden, Instagram Live, Sky, BBC, everybody. This is it. It's going up. The ring's going up. Oh, can you believe this? And the hype, by the time it comes around on Saturday, will be huge. And the first event uh, next Saturday, Sky Sports. So uh, we can't wait to bring boxing back. A bit nervous, actually, because I haven't done a show for a long time. And there's a lot of obstacles now. I mean, not just because it's an outdoor event, but testing and isolation and PPE and it's, it's a nightmare but it's going to be good fun uh, Eddie I, I cannot thank you enough um, you can probably tell what this meant to me to to chat with you uh, such a huge admirer um, I was going to say good luck you, you don't need it my friend no we always need luck you always need a little bit luck. I say that to my old man sometimes I said would well, you, you know we'll, we'll talk about the book a little bit I said, well, he said luck he said you know important luck is right place right time but, you know, the old adage, you make your own luck. And I do believe the harder you work, the luckier you get. You know, I think, that's, I think you get what you deserve in this life. So. But, you know, as we've learned over the last three or four months, just be happy. Just be happy. Keep breathing day by day. Keep ticking off that list. I'll tell you what, mate. Of all the personal development books I've read and listened to down the years, our chat, I feel like I've had my own one-on-one personal Good. development book session there. So uh, Good. Good. Keep it simple. That Keep was it simple. All right, mate. Bless your heart. Good to talk to you. Take care, mate. You too. Bless you. Thanks, Eddie. Bye-bye. Take care. Uh, Once again, huge thanks to uh, the wonderful Eddie Hearn. We will hyperlink uh, as much as we can about the book and also about Fight Camp. So Fight Camp gets underway week one this Saturday, August the 1st. And on this card, one, two, three, four, five fights. Yes, indeed. Uh, what, a, what a terrific idea. The, the URL is matchroomboxing.com, but we will we'll absolutely uh, hyperlink that. Huge thanks to Eddie. As ever, if you've enjoyed the episode, spread the word, tell your friends. Uh, we are on the socials at Balance LDN. I'm at James Gill Comedy. Uh, drop, drop me a line, podcast at balance.media, or to advertise, or to indeed just contact the sales team, sales at balance.media uh, and again thanks to those of you who've been coming to the comedy shows that I've been doing at Always Be Comedy been doing online comedy since uh, the 8th of April we totted it up we think we've done 27 online shows we did them Tuesdays and Wednesdays uh, so uh, yeah hopefully we'll see you for, for more of those but thanks for the, to those of you who've got in touch it's, it's meant a lot very grateful anyway take care uh, speak soon thank you as always bye 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 hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out Quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.